Yes, I hear the tires squeal. Red light can't stop, so I spin the wheel. My world goes black before I feel an angel lift me up, and I open bloodshot eyes into fluorescent white. Flip the siren, hit the lights, close the doors. And Hello, and welcome to the Coolest Kids. I am one of your hosts, Terrence Wiggins, and joined by your other host, me. Bork Wilbur. Yeah, Brock Wilbur. It's me, Brock Wilbur. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression of me. <laughs> that is that is what all white guys sound like. <laughs> uh, and we have another guest this week. Um, and he is... Dan Lifshitz. Dan, who are you? What do you want? Why are you here? <sighs> I don't know. You, just, you put out a call, man. You put out a call and I answered. <laughs> put out a clarion call shut a i shut a flare into the air and you answered uh dan's actually here to talk about thrice's the artist and the ambulance which is an album that i enjoy i'm much more of a uh later thrice fan um but i've i've always known people who who like early thrice more but dan tell tell me about why you like this album this album kind of really collided with my like full dive into the world of emo and it feels mm-hmm. almost a little sacrilegious to call thrice emo because i do consider them you know much more than that but right what this album dropped in what 2003 and that was kind of like when emo screamo was really hitting it big in the mainstream um, right and i remember their early tours they were you know hitting the road with bands like the used and coheed and cambria um and so I remember I found Thrice through some of my skate punk friends. I think the first track I ever heard was Ultra Blue, which I think is Identity Crisis. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then Illusion of Safety came out, and I fell in love with that album. And then they graduated to the majors and signed with Island. And I, was, I just remember, like every day waking up with increased anticipation uh for their major label debut um Mm -hmm. and listening to all that remain or all that's left uh when it first uh got played on k-rock and just being so (laughs) excited uh for these guys to finally make it big um yeah and i i don't i i see artist in the ambulance is kind of almost thrice's pop album which feels kind of weird to say because i can see that yeah they it's you know it has a lot of really, you know, complicated time signatures and progressive song structures, but it's also, I think, their most accessible work. It's really catchy. Mm-hmm. It has fun sing-alongs and hooks and melodies, and it's it's weird to call it pop, and yet I think it kind of is. Um, yeah. so, so I think that's why a lot of people really cling on to this, because it's just, it hits your ear, and it's immediately pleasing. Right. Uh, like I was listening to this album because I've I've listened to their old stuff like Identity Crisis and that definitely is just like this almost just like hardcore album where it's uh it's it just kind of hits you all at once and it's loud all the time while um Artists in the Ambulance is far more melodic that you're talking about like people sit, like it's easier to sing along with and all that stuff and then like uh you get the like Vesu after that and it is like that's I love that album that's my favorite Thrice album. Um, but it is, it is more weirder. Like, it, I don't think it, I don't think it hit the same way as the artist in the ambulance did. Um, especially for, especially for the time that it came out with, cause it was only like two years after or whatever, something like that. Um, but yeah, it was, I definitely understand what you're saying where you talk about it. it's, it's their pop album. Uh, Brock, 
Yes. How, <laughs> how do you feel about this album? What did have you heard? Did you ever listen to this album before? Uh, or? I, I had my experience with Thrice had been like, well, I, I appreciate that everyone uh, in emo in two thousand three, Thrice and Cursive, all just go for the same uh, green tint on their album cover. It's the same. <laughs> I call that uh, ugly organ green, uh, chartreuse maybe. Uh, I saw them opening for bands like Thursday and stuff a lot, yeah. Uh, and I'd never invested. And uh, one of the reasons I asked Dan about doing this episode was like, it's one of those albums that like I I know, and I especially like it was maybe the first thought I had when we started this podcast was like, it's perhaps time for me to sit down and give that my full attention instead of just some tracks on an iPod while I'm riding the, the L train in Chicago. Like, so this was my first time listening to it from start to finish. And I did it a couple of times over the last few days, boy, any, any album that starts with a, a symphonic banger about homeless, uh, the crisis in America, that's, that's an album that I've really missed. I, this is, this is a really cool album. And I just, uh, I love how much is going on and it is, uh, I, I know that we go back and forth sometimes on the show about uh, degrees of production and whether or not like it represents a band or what they're capable of. And uh, having seen them and having seen some of these songs, which I remember seeing live just a bunch, I'm like, oh, this is that that song that I loved, but it's uh, it's got this other alternate album version that's bigger and crazier. And like I, it, it seems to have aged incredibly well. Like I, I feel like I could have bought this album this week and it would sound like this. Like there's nothing on it that sounds like emo of yore or anything like it's it seems incredibly uh pertinent now and it feels very uh very accessible like i i do understand uh i without having listened to that much of of the more recent thrice why you would call this the pop album because this feels so accessible yeah it um in my head uh thursday and thrice are an inextricably linked because my brother bought those albums at the same time but also like uh this this is the same time like 2001 is when uh thursdays uh why can't i remember the name of that album now full collapse uh when full collapse came out and then this came out so like these um the albums are sort of like those are definitely the two like that's when like post-hardcore and emo sort of became a mainstream thing yeah um and it was definitely more accessible then. Uh, uh, then you start getting bands like, uh, like my first my first concert. I'm sure I've talked about this before. Was uh, was from Omni Ashes with uh, Emery and the uh, and the honorary title, which is a weird show. But um, uh, you start to get bands like Emery and stuff like that, where where post hardcore isn't just like this loud uh, thing that's happening. Uh, this loud music that's happening and like people are like there's melodies to it like like everything is easier to sing along to than like this uh, sort of skate punk and like hardcore of the 90, the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that. I think atmospherics became a big part of what the bands uh, in that era were trying to do because I remember you mentioned Emery I'm pretty sure The Week's End came out the same year as uh, Artist in the Ambulance and that's also yeah. a very brooding album with a lot of you know <laughs> background uh, you know like strings and you know patches where they're really trying to set an atmosphere uh, on top of everything they're trying to do in the catchy melody realm right uh, and setting an atmosphere like um, that that makes so much sense because like all these albums they have they have an atmosphere to it like when you hear it everything I don't want to say it sounds the same but 
it has that at, like all the songs have this atmosphere around it where you it doesn't sound like an album of singles it sounds like and it's like it sounds like a concept album that's not a concept album yeah i don't honestly think i've ever heard a disjointed thrice album i think they go in with their concepts you know fully aligned um right. you know other, unless they're purposefully breaking them out like something like the alchemy index but other right. than that, if, I, if you listen to a Thrice album from start to finish, you know the sound that they're going for. You know what their inspirations were because they channel it very evenly throughout all their work. And it's so funny when, you know, they'll dig something up from the archive. Like, you know, on their most recent tour, they broke out a B-side from Artists in the Ambulance, uh, Red Telephone. And you listen to it and you're like, this was 100% conceived of and recorded in the Artists in the Ambulance days. It just it channels right. exactly who they are in that given moment because they are very much of their time that's a fascinating thing to think about with this band <laughs> i was to say uh like a lot of the um because this is the era that i that, that i just i guess flourished in with music um of like emory or thursday or like any of the post-hardcore bands of this era they all like uh their albums start to sound different from each other, but they like there's a cohesive sound to the band. But you can kind of like it, it doesn't it doesn't sound repetitive in a way where it's just like it's tiring when you hear more like you hear a whole album then you listen to another album and you're just like eh, uh like the week's end by Emery sounds like completely not completely different but it's like a whole different feel from uh, the question just like. The, just like the artist of the ambulance is different from Vesu or War All the Time is different from Full Collapse. Like, it's it's really interesting how how these bands they sort of they have a sound, but it's different each time. I can't explain it because it, it I'm very tired me, right now. Oh. It reminds me a lot of Brand New, and you know putting aside all the stuff that Brand New is dealing right. with right now. Like, I'm pretty sure Deja we, we, came out. We, we've just talked about it for three podcast recordings in a row. We can't get back into it today. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to get back into it. But I think Deja came out at the same time as Artist. That was like 2003. And right. it was kind of their, like, their stab at the mainstream, where they went very pop, uh, but very distinctly them. And then two years later, or three years later, completely switch it up the same way Thrice did with Visu. They put out Devil and God and just, this is who we are. Are. We're not just, you know, shackled to whatever happens to be, you know, breaking on radio right now. We are artists and we are going to make a sound that is indelibly us. Right. Uh, we were we just did an episode about um, Jimmy World's Futures. And um, I'd never listened to that album before. We thought we talked about this on the episode, but like uh, how different it sounds from uh, Bleed American and a lot of bands like it always feels like the third album is the album where people sort of do their do their like big sort of pop thing like uh we always talk about the difficult sophomore album or the sophomore slump more people need to talk about the high concept third album or or the the thricing if we uh <laughs> the thricing on the cake yes um i think that's a that's that an episode terrible. title <laughs> real bad uh, you, you go to thrice jail sir <laughs> uh, just don't call the ambulance or to send the ambulance on do, do any of you guys um, know actual ambulance drivers <laughs> um, no that was, that was a real question I, no what did you say I, oh, I, I asked if you if you know an actual ambulance driver 
Uh, when I worked at Starbucks, I did. What was he like? <laughs> uh, there was a few I knew. They were all. There were uh, some of them were weird. Some of them were real weird. Some of them were nice. There, uh, there was one who was like standoffish and didn't talk to anybody. And was uh, kind of a dick. So. I met uh, I met one uh, right after uh, Viv started driving uh, Uber back in Los Angeles, and it was like a week after she'd started. And this guy was like, "I just started. I used to be an ambulance driver in San Francisco." I was like, "Wow, driving the hills in San Francisco in an ambulance—that seems insane." And he's like, "Yeah," and I kept trying to ask about that. Uh, and instead of instead of answering that, he was like, "Last night was my first night on the job, and I took this drunk girl home." And I could have hooked up with her, but I didn't. Do you think I made a mistake by not hooking up with her? And I was like, so would you have hooked up with somebody that was in your ambulance? He's like, well, no, but like, this is different. I was like, but how? And also maybe <laughs> don't ask your drivers. I know it's day two, but this should have been in the pamphlet, whether or not uh, drunken sexual assault is appropriate. <laughs> like I was, I was just so blown away by it that I didn't order like any ride share service for a couple of weeks. I was like. Oh, if you're going to be asked to weigh in on possible rape, like I'll, I'll, right. I'll drive home myself, what? even if I'm drunk. It seems like a better ethically karma-based thing. Right. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I, I could have hooked up with a girl, totally. He's like, no. no. <laughs> Would you have done that in the ambulance? Yeah, but that's different. Would you, but how, right. though? <laughs> uh, you're on a job, like... everybody um there's a line drawn in the sand and looking for the will to cross it right yes um so uh dan did you like did you ever see thrice in concert or anything like that like yes yes um and honestly i've been trying i've been racking my brain to think if i saw them back in the artist in the ambulance days and i don't think i ever did although every tour bill that i look up from that era is so my shit and it makes me right. sad that I never got to see those combinations of bands. The first time I remember seeing Thrice is 2007, where they were touring with Circus Survive, which was mm-hmm. the precursor to basically 90% of other shows I've seen with them, because they are always touring with Circus Survive. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, we, we, we agree on this show that Circus Survive and uh, Silverstein uh, just open for everyone, and they might have like multiple touring groups. Like Silverstein can't, can't be in everywhere at once, but Silverstein can be in your heart. Yes. <laughs> Silverstein is a gateway drug. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw them. Uh, I saw Thrice uh, right after Vesu came out. Uh, they had uh, it was it was Thrice and Under Oath. And it was right after Under Oath had re-released uh, their only Chasing Safety. Um, that was a like it's, it's this weird sort of it was also the time of just like christian bands like quotation mark christian bands that's when that's uh, when the mainstream took christian music seriously for a second yeah and then uh after that it, they just never did again because uh it's all bad <laughs> um uh, but uh like it, it, like it was it was good because like i grew up in the church and uh like there were bands that are just like you're listening to this christian band it's just like i don't i don't want to listen to pod for the for Welcome to Southtown. Yeah, I, I, uh, I went to uh, Salina High School South, so you best believe we came out to every football game to Welcome to Southtown. Uh, that's that's our thing. Yeah. Well, we were the youth of a nation. It was important that we 
<laughs> well, see, Thrice was the funny outlier to that whole culture because, you know, so many of those bands came from, like, East Coast, Middle America, and, right. you know, you had a handful of outliers, and Thrice was one of them. They're Orange County boys, and I'm, you know, born and bred L.A., and so they, they you know, came into my hemisphere as a result of being local, uh, and they kind of clued me in uh, because, you know, obviously a lot of Dustin's work is very influenced by his religion and so they toured with a lot of other bands like you said under oath um and that was kind of my entry point into that whole world of you know warp tour but you could also be at cornerstone um <laughs> and so it, it was so funny because then you know i went to college on the east coast and got even more heavy into that scene and then came yeah. back to la but every time i meet an east coast transplant and we compare notes about the music that we listen to, they have no idea how I know all the bands that they grew up with. They're like, you're a Jewish kid from Los Angeles, but you might as well have grown up in a church group in Ohio. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yes, I know that aesthetic, uh, aesthetic very well. Um, uh, and I was, the, I was the only kid in my church group that really sort of got into like thrice and uh, under oath and anything that was on solid state or tooth and nail yes uh like that that was that was definitely my label and uh like all the other kids they were they were just i don't know they listen to like for light k and the like other kids <laughs> listen to like pod and i'm just like this i'm very I excited to push else. terrence into finally doing the mxpx episode <laughs> I've heard that the lead singer to this day drives around uh, his hometown uh, playing, like, Move to Bremerton at full volume out of his car. Like, he just listens to MXPX and plays it so that people know how to place him, and that everyone in that town just hates him. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where did you hear this from? Somebody that, like, grew up there. Uh, and now that's like that's all I see in my head because like the only other person I know in music that listens to the only two people that listen to their own stuff uh, famously in music are uh, Prince and uh, the guy from Weezer uh, and those seem uh, different ends of a spectrum so (laughs) I always thought MXPX was just Christian Pennywise (laughs) Uh, you're not wrong Um, yeah I feel like we're about to uh, fall into a conversation about <laughs> listening to music in church. So, Dan, talk uh, about your walk with Christ. <laughs> uh, no, I can identify at least with the tooth and nail part, um, because my, my holy trinity of bands was uh, Anberlin, Copeland, and May. Mm. And so anytime uh, I wasn't May- you know, rocking out to a Thrice album, I was getting my <laughs> feelings on with those bands. <laughs> Uh, I never, I never really got into Amberlynn. I love Copeland. Um, Beneath Madison Tree is a fantastic album. Uh, May is actually from here. Uh, the one of the guys from the band is now the the manager for one of my friends' bands. Oh dang! Um, Jacob, yeah, Jacob Marshall from May is uh, is the tour manager for the Last Bison, which is a folk band from this area. Uh, yeah, so like. Growing up here, May was like the band that like any of the kids that went to rock shows. It's just like, yeah, somebody you always will know somebody who knows somebody from May. Like, 
like Maya's, Maya's, <laughs> my brother has uh has a Sky's the Limit CD. Oh, a, uh, that's, that's yeah. OG. Yeah, uh, Brock, if you don't know, Sky's the Limit is the band that May was before May, and um, I did not. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they I think they recorded Skyline Drive under that banner, that moniker, and then re-recorded yeah. it for Destination Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember when that album came out because it was like, you could go to any music uh, store in this area and there was like a banner. It was just like, Destination Beautiful, May, May is here, everybody. <laughs> like, it's like, I understand they're from this area. Like, my photography teacher in high school, like, her husband was roommates with one of the guys from May in college. So it's just like, I understand they're, they're from here. There's other people from here, too. <laughs> Oh yeah, Missy Elliott's one. from here. I was, I was like, Missy Elliott's from here. Pharrell's from here. Like, I don't need to hear about just one rock band all the time. White people. Um, you know, I I, uh, I was watching Saturday Night Live last night with Chance the Rapper on, and there is a sketch in it where they send him to cover a hockey game, uh, with the joke being that uh, he's a black guy and does not understand what's happening at the hockey game. But at one point, uh, he signs off with, well, that's everything that's happening here in hell. And I looked at Viv and I was like, "That's gift that for Terrence, because that's just him dealing with white people nonsense all day long on Twitter. Like, I've never seen a more, that's the report from hell. Like, it's just, that's, that, I feel like that's the start of every tweet or text you send me. Hey, guess what's happening uh, right now in hell? White hell. Yeah, I was uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, I I wrote a thread a few months ago about uh, today is International Men's Day. I wrote a thread about what it's actually about like months ago, and and I I wrote at the end I was like addendum like International Men's Day is just not like a cis male straight male thing. And some guy, some white guy, just tweeted at me. He was like, he was like, well, who said it was? And I was just like, I no. <laughs> like can you step off your soapbox on like i'm trying like to educate people on a thing and you're just like uh i'm actually like i'm actually worker than you right now so uh i never think i never judge anybody about anything and that's what dealing with white people Ex- is like. except for what you're doing by at replying terrence right now <laughs> right yeah it's i don't know it's just overly frustrating um white people in general I can't argue with You're that. <laughs> so you want to see you want to see me expertly tie this back into thrice? Yes, yes please. please. Oh God, that's all we need. <laughs> I was like, I was like, if, I lost. If you could I just come on this somewhere. show to pull us out of the the sub holes we get into, that would be great. <laughs> so, Anne Berlin, Copeland, May, that whole fleet of bands, they encountered the exact same thing thrice did when they did Artist in the Ambulance. Um, which is that that was the time when all of these bands were graduating to major labels from the first time. You know, Thrice was on Subsidy, all those previously mentioned bands were on Tooth and Nail, and they were Sorry, catching fire. Sorry, there's a label called Subsidy? I'm, I'm just delighted by that. <laughs> well, Subsidy, like oh, S-I-R-C-I-T-Y. Sorry. Oh, yes, 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 y
So that's when they were all catching fire in the mainstream and all the major labels started salivating over this new warped money and said, oh, we got we to gotta start picking these bands up. And a lot of this, you know, Geffen had their upstream deal uh, with Drive Through mm-hmm. Records at the time. So major labels were just fascinated by these bands. And they all matriculated and they met with varying degrees of failure for the most part. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Copeland released... Um, uh, Eat, Sleep, Repeat for I think it was Capital or Sony. I can't remember exactly who. Uh, May released um, oh, Singularity uh, on I think also Capital. Um, Amberlin, uh, you know, graduated after Cities to go to Universal, um, and similarly, Thrice went to Island, and. It rarely worked out for these people. Uh, you yeah. know, May, you know, came off the success of the Everglow, put out Singularity, and they tried to turn into a radio rock band. I remember, I think it was David Bendeth who produced that album. And they very famously re-recorded the chorus for Crazy Eights because, you know, if you listen to May, you know that Dave loves wonky time signatures and just <laughs> screwing with melodic structure. And so he had a fun, you know, chorus that had a lot of shifting chords. And uh, when they were recording it, the producer was like, eh, you know, I don't think that's going to do well on radio. I think you should just make a straight three-chord chorus, keep it catchy, keep it simple. The kids will like it better. And they did, and that's what they released on Singularity. And the album just really didn't go anywhere for them. And then years later, they re-released the original version of Crazy Eights, basically saying, we're hitting the road and we're just embracing who we are because we tried to be somebody different back then and we see how that turned out for us, so let's just be true to ourselves. Uh, Same thing, Copeland put Eat, Sleep, Repeat out. It went nowhere. It was like Radiohead, but not... And they just didn't know what to do with it, and they. I'm you delighted know, to know that Thrice into... was on Island Records. Like, you know, who should open for you Thur- two next tour? Thrice. <laughs> uh, Thursday. Thursday also joined Island Records uh, for the one after War All the Time. Uh, understanding in a car. No, God. Um, uh, a light. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, City by the Light Divided. City by the Light Divided. Yes. Um, yeah, there was. A, there was. A, I remember that because I was just like. Like, I, I remember them changing over because I was reading, like, AP magazine or something like that. And I remember, um, I was just like, 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 Island? Like, Island? Island? Like, <laughs> that was a, that was like a weird time where bands were joining Island, and I was just like, who, who's in, who's in charge of this? Like, what? <laughs> who's doing what A&R for you guys? <laughs> I was like, what, uh, what initiative is happening right now that I need to know about, um, but it's funny, especially with Thursday. Like, Thrice and Thursday, like, they're kind of the twin strands of DNA uh, sure. in that mm-hmm. genre of music. Like, if you found a Thrice fan, they probably listened to Thursday and vice versa. And, you know, matriculating to the same major label, they went through all the same growing pains. And I remember one of the things that everyone, or not everyone, complained about was the production choices that went into their major label debuts. Uh, a City by the Light Divided everyone slags on the production of that album um, and the Mm -hmm. choices that were made in trying to... I don't know if they were trying to appeal to the mainstream with that particular mix, but everyone just thought it sounded muddy. And Thrice, Mm -hmm. if you actually talk to them about Artist in the Ambulance, they will tell you it is one of their least favorite albums. Um, Hmm. Not necessarily because of the songs. Uh, I think they're still pretty happy with a lot of how the songwriting went. Um, And, you know, that's why they still have a lot of staples in their live set. But the production, they felt like they were basically pushed through a radio rock thresher. 
and it sucked <laughs> mm-hmm. the life out of the album. Um, I remember I remember reading an interview that they did about how um, Riley had recorded uh, drums in like this really unique room setup where everything sounded really big and echoey, and it had a huge presence, and they were super happy with it. And then when they got the mixing and mastering back from the sessions, they were like, no, this sounds super compressed now. And like, oh, they did it for radio. They basically, they cut out the top and bottom and they just made them a radio rock band and it sucked all the enthusiasm they had out of the recording process because uh, they were going for a completely different sound. And so to this day, they're really not happy with what Island did to the sound of that record. Huh. That kind of makes sense because uh, I was listening to the album because I've listened to this particular album in quite some time. I was listening to the album and I was just like, eh, this, like, I was like, everything sounds complicated. Like, the way they're playing and everything, like, it, it sounds complicated. Like, it sounds like Thrice, but it didn't have the kind of bigness that Thrice has uh, with the rest of their sound. And I was I was actually kind of wondering about that. So to hear you explain it, that makes a whole lot of sense. And it also like I imagine hearing this song on like a Sunday night, at, like uh, eight o'clock, whenever the alternative rock show comes on the local rock station, because that's the only time thrice would ever get paid played. It's uh, it's it's really interesting to kind of take that. Uh, understanding of what happened on Artist in the Ambulance, and then stack it next to Visu. Uh, Because I think it explains a lot, you know, if they were disillusioned by what the major labels were doing to their sound with Artist in the Ambulance, uh, Visu could arguably be considered an overcorrection in some regards. And Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. that album to death, but... You know, coming off, I think Artist in the Ambulance still was relatively successful for them. Um, but when they handed in Visu, the you know Island just had no idea what to do with that record comparatively. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine because like, like that album is a, uh, it doesn't sound like that time. Like it doesn't sound like two thousand five or whenever it came out. Uh, it it it's almost like uh like I do like the artist in the ambulance, but it definitely sounds like a album from two thousand three. Um, not not to, not like I'm disparaging it or anything, but uh like Vesu is this I don't know like the the most popular song off that is Image of the Invisible, and that's about as radio friendly as you're gonna get mm-hmm. because the rest of the album is just like this. Like I don't know. Like it. It doesn't. It's. It's. I'm gonna. I can't remember the uh, the name of the track now. After like the next track, uh, like it, there's like there's like weird piano songs in here, and there's like uh, there's like this. Like it doesn't sound like the post hardcore that you're used to. Like if you listen to the artists of the ambulance, and then you immediately listen to Vesu, it wouldn't. Like you said, like they didn't know what to do with it, and I can understand. Yeah, yeah. I think Visu is the first time I remember them really slowing down. Um, <laughs> we had like stuff for you know, like for Miles and Red Sky, um, mm-hmm. and they, you know they played with uh, atmosphere and distortion and delay. Uh, whereas you know, if you listen to past Thrice albums, everything is just breakneck all the time. Like it was so mm-hmm. proto punk hardcore for the first few albums, like. 
don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that Riley basically learned to drum so that he could be in the band. And I think <laughs> that might explain some of their stylistic choices where every single track on the first couple albums is like, boom disc, boom disc, boom disc. Uh, yeah. It's just an easy, fast pattern to go with. And uh, Artist in the Ambulance was like the first time I remember, oh, he's really stepping up his technique and, you know, kind of melding into that progressive element that they're kind of building on. And then Visu is where all hell just breaks loose in that regard. And they just, they, they really start to take liberties where they, they, they're willing to be quiet for once. Um, like the only, if I'm reaching back to the pre-Artist in the Ambulance stuff, like the only time I remember there being even a quiet segment in their music is the beginning of So Strange I Remember You. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got it has that quiet, you know, guitar intro before it becomes another punk song. Um, right. <laughs> but the, yeah, starting with Visu is I think when they really started to embrace the possibility of not being so loud all the time. Right. Um, which I I really like like. I guess 2005 when like Vesu came out like uh I feel like a lot of bands started embracing like being quiet not not <laughs> that sounds that sounds really bad the way I say it but like there's a there's a uh there's a value in everything not being the loudest all the time uh which could be a lesson for anyone on the internet and, you know, it, it, it got backlash that was the interesting thing. Um, but I think the, the interesting part of Thrice's evolution is that they've had backlash almost every stage of their career. Mm-hmm. And Artist in the Ambulance was the first time they really addressed it head on, actually. Because I remember, uh, this is back in the day when selling out was still a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Before it was get the cash anywhere you can. Uh they mm-hmm. they started to get big in 2001 2002 and they went on K-Rock you know Kevin and Bean and they played like 20 seconds of See You in the Shallows and they started getting a bunch of heat for it and i remember they uh, they posted something on their website at the time basically saying we're getting a lot of email basically accusing us of selling out of going mainstream of you know uh, being on the radio and just not being that same band anymore. And they basically said, you know what, we don't have time to deal with you people and explain how wrong you are, so what we're going to do is post an excerpt from Dave Eggers' heartbreaking work of Staggering Genius um, <laughs> with his permission. And they posted the entire chapter that Eggers had written about the concept of selling out and how it's bullshit. And... Then, when they went in to record Artist in the Ambulance, they actually channeled that, and I believe it's the impetus for The Melting Point of Wax, which is, you know, on the, on the surface, basically just a story of Icarus, but mm-hmm. it's about them, it, it was about their personal mantra as a band. It was about, you know, don't tell me that I'm flying too close to the sun, like, I won't know our, I won't know my limits until I try. And I think Thrice was trying to say that we don't know what we can be as a band unless we try, unless we see how far we can get. And the fact that we're getting bigger is not a strike against us, or at least it shouldn't be. And to the extent right. that you think it is, well, this kind of explains our thinking. Yeah, uh, we we did an episode um, on uh, Emo Game, uh, if you remember that Flash game from 2002 oh, God, or yes. it came out. 
uh, we did an episode about that, and uh, one of the things was was about bands selling out. And like even back then, I was just like, man, I hope the bands that I like get popular because I like the things they do, and like getting popular usually means they get more money to do the things that I like. So I've never I've never really understood people as like, oh man, this band sold out. I can't like other oh, people are gonna listen to them. Oh man, stupid. <laughs> And I, I don't think it uh, they ever really looked back from that, you know, going from no. Artist in the Ambulance to Visu, and they're like, well, that was pretty experimental. Where can we go from here? Four EP concept <laughs> album about the elements. Right. Uh, and it's really, like, I don't, I don't think a lot of bands could pull that off, like, making four distinct EPs uh, that all sound different. Um, but yeah, it's the alchemy index is amazing. Um, like it actually, it made me excited to hear Dustin Kendrick's like, uh, solo acoustic stuff because after hearing earth, like, like the sort of folk that they did for that, I'm just like, I'm fine with whatever they want to do from now on because like, uh, uh, what it starts with. What's the first? Fire is the first yeah, one? Yeah, Fire, with Fire Breather, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, Fire is more like traditional thrice, and then, uh, uh, well, the first two are kind of, and then Air and, or is it Water? Water. It's, it's, fi- water. it's Fire, Water, Air, and Earth. Yeah, and, yes, okay, so, uh, like, Water is like, there's like, weird, like, techno, like, electronic elements to it, and then Air is like this... I don't know, ethereal sort of sound to it. And, like, I don't think many people could pull that off ever. Uh, and Thrice is a really... I feel like Thrice doesn't get enough uh, uh, kudos or whatever for how well they do everything. Um, and I don't know why. Like, I like even in, even in the, even at the time, like, I don't remember hearing a lot of people really talk about thrice the same way they talked about other like i mean thrice didn't come to this area a lot so maybe it's just the area that i grew up in but like i didn't hear people talk about thrice a lot so it's kind of it's like for for, they're a band with staying power and i'm glad they stuck around and made weird stuff i i i'm of the same mind it's um it's really interesting to see, uh, if you know, Artist in the Ambulance era, that's when they popped. That's when I remember first seeing them on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, playing mm-hmm. All That's Left, and, uh, you know, ma- trying to make their mark on the mainstream, and, you know, mixed results there. I think, I think it was well-received <laughs> enough, but they were like, you know what? This is not who we necessarily want to be for the next 10 years of our career. We don't want to be a radio rock band. We want to we wanna build our own brand. We want to be artists. Um, and I think the Alchemy Index was kind of their boldest statement of, you know, we're artists first and foremost, and if you can hang with this set of EPs, then you can hang with us, because uh, right. you'll be cool for anything we do after that, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll give it a more bluesy vibe with stuff like Beggars, um, and they, they just kind of, I think, found their own sound and settled into their own groove at that point, and when I listen to more recent stuff, like Major Minor and To Be Everywhere Is To Be Nowhere, like, it just sounds like thrice to me. Like I, right. I don't, I don't really have a touch point to compare it to. Like in terms of other bands, they just sound like themselves now. And I think uh, everything in between was just you know one step on that journey to establish a completely unique sound. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Brock, do you have anything to add? Uh, thrice also sounds like thrice to me. <laughs> yeah, this is- I just don't want to. I just don't want to exclude you from the conversation. No, we we wrap up the episodes by asking people about these albums. Uh, would you tell people to revisit this now? This is my first real visit, and I really enjoyed it. So that's my way in on that. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would definitely tell somebody to go and listen to this. Uh, just because if you're looking for something uh, fast, like if you if you, if you want something hard and fast. Uh, music wise and uh this is definitely something that also has a little more uh behind it like it's not just it's not just a bunch of guys slamming on instruments for an hour like it, there's actually a uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff in there and uh there's a lot to sing along to Dan, <laughs> this is an album with a lot of meat on the bones, and uh, you know, for an album that came out in two thousand three, and that I think the majors were trying to push to be a very specific thing, they they really did everything they could to make it stand out. Not only by being more technically and melodically interesting than a lot of their peers, but by you know, I think they tried to appeal to multiple audiences at once. And like, if you look at Dustin's lyrics, he's always been very deep and introspective. Um, but I think they they still have a little bit of those trappings with the, you know, 2003 lyrics. There's a lot of talk about blood and fire and slitting <laughs> throats and cutting wrists. But it's also like, it's not there just to, you know, hang alongside the used. It's to be, right. uh, it's it's metaphorical, it's allegorical. Like, he, most of the most of the songs are about, you know, wrestling with faith and societal mm-hmm. ills, whether it's, you know, poverty or drug use, um, questioning, you know, the government, questioning society's complacence, brainwashing. Like, only right. Silhouette is, like, an, a song that I can think of about an interpersonal relationship. And even then, like, singing stuff like, slit the throat of all I know about myself in this life. Okay, so it's a metaphorical slitting. It's not just egregious emo right. imagery. It's it's something right. deeper than that. And I think that's what Thrice was always trying to be. Even if they ran in, in that scene, they were always trying to be deeper. Right. Uh, Dan, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I don't have much of a presence. I guess you can find me oh, at... Uh... That sounds great. How do you do that? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a lawyer. I'm just a music lawyer. I keep to myself. Take us with you. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Take us far from this place. <laughs> what? I want to live your life. I don't want to be on the internet anymore. Uh, uh, I guess, you know, find me on Facebook and prove to me you're not weird. And maybe I'll add you. <laughs> Weird challenge, man. Uh, <laughs> I can always say no. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, uh, uh, you can find me on the internet uh, under the Black Nerd with no spaces. Uh, that's easy to that's easy to find. Brock, what about you? you can, what are you doing? You can find me at Brock Wilbur. And you have a new podcast, Missouri Loves Missouri Com- Loves Company, yeah, that you do with your My, wife Vivian Kane. Kane. You talk about how you just. (laughs) I'll let you finish. No, we're good. (laughs) Uh, Brock has a podcast where they uh, talk about living, moving, moving to Kansas City. 
uh, and it's very sweet, and his his wife is very nice, and Brock is also very nice, but uh, they talk about very serious things, and uh, it's a good sh- it's a good show. You should go and listen to it. Why? Thank uh, you. Misery loves company. Um, I also edit the show, so um, keep keep Terrence employed. <laughs> keep Terrence employed. That's a slogan for 2018. I, I pay Terrence That's... only in Sonic memorabilia and and games, <laughs> so that he can enjoy Sonic Forces without having to have had spent money on it. <laughs> it's all right. All right, good. It's fine. It wouldn't have, it would have been that good if you paid for it. <laughs> it it's it's average. Uh, pro- I probably would have been more upset if I paid for it. Um, but it's fine. I'm gonna beat it. I'll beat the game. I'll beat the game. I mean, um, I'll get on the internet if somebody wants to pay me in Sonic games. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, did you play Sonic Mania? Because if you haven't, you need to get on that. The game's amazing. Man, I'm so far behind in my game queue. Um, my wife works for Square Enix, and so... What? <laughs> so... Everything in my queue, like, how can I justify buying new games when she gets Square Enix games for free, and they just yeah. build up on my desk? I'm like, I'm going to pay well, money just... when there's, like, ten things I should be playing that was just handed to me. No, you could just give them to me. That's fine. I'll take them. I love video games. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. I was going to say, find Dan online, but don't find Dan online. He's not there. He lives a special life where he's not part of this n- nightmare. Um, but do uh, do rate the show on iTunes. That helps us a whole lot with visibility. Like when you rate the show, it puts it up there on the charts and all that stuff. And Because uh, iTunes is weird. And you would think, it's like, hey, alg- like algorithms are bad because uh, they're stupid. Um, yeah, I got nothing else. I don't know where I was going with that. Brock, you got anything else? I'm good. Okay. Well, as always, we are the coolest kids, and we take what we can get. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye.